All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? It is time for OnComicsGrounds.com's flagship podcast, Panel to Panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are here live once again, once again, for the final time of 2019 for you good people. We are here to discuss part two of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition for you good people. We are bringing this to you the day before Christmas Eve. That way you can enjoy it as you get ready to enjoy uh, like, to, like all the good presents that you're going to open on Christmas Day. So get ready as we dig right into this. Don't forget you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere that you can listen to a podcast on any platform besides SoundCloud, you can check us out. So please check us out on those local services at when you have the time. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast, and you can check out the website on comicsground.com. Put some hyphens between those words where we post reviews, previews, solicitations, all that good stuff. We are currently on winter break, but we went back January uh, 2nd for you good folks. So get ready for that. All right. To my left, we have the man who is very frustrated, apparently, with the Watchmen finale. Travis, how you doing? Man, why you gotta remind me of that? <laughs> you were so salty in the Discord. I was like, bro, what's wrong with you? I'm so mad. I'm so... For everything to be so awesome and not certain, everything was so easily predictable and simple. And then the you're, last not gonna episode... you po- you're probably not going to get a season two. How do you feel about that? You know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we and to my right, we have the hard working, the cow wearing beast of the night that is, and I she bakes her amazing cookies. Mary, how you doing this evening? I'm I'm good. I'm 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 very tired today. <laughs> very tired. <laughs> Getting ready for Christmas. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So, part two of this movie, we finished off last time. We're talking about the dream sequence and talking about the confrontation of uh, Batman and Superman when Batman's trying to get the kryptonite. We actually, we actually, after going back and listening to, to the recording, we didn't actually talk about the confrontation 
So how about we start from there and then go into the court scene? So we we start off with them having the confrontation. Uh, like Clark smashes the Batmobile and makes a crash, and we we ha- this entire scene is so tense. It's actually one of those weird scenes in the movie that I find myself liking more and more that I watch it. I hate the "Do you bleed?" line, but like that entire scene where the Batmobile is coming around the corner and you see Superman is so freaking awesome. And Superman's like, "You need to just stop." You you need to just stop, <laughs> but then like Batman's like, "I'm gonna fuck you up, guy." Do you bleed? <laughs> like it just—it's it, it, one of the moments that's so ridiculously comic booky that I love it. That's what it is. You you just said it right there. Like it's so like 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 perfect to the book comic book that you, it's yes that that was the best way to describe that. Thank you. <laughs> but the the do you bleed line just resonates with me so much because it was that first thing you hear in that like leaked Comic Con footage because they they spliced it into where he's in the armor on top of the like GCPD with the bat signal. And I hate that. I hate, like it, it, it. Like when you first hear it, it becomes almost as iconic as Martha. It's so ingrained into everything that you know because of that. And ugh, I, 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 I just I hate it so much. <laughs> like it's ugh. Travis. How do you feel about do you believe? Um, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. What? When it comes to Batman and movies. He comes with this level of cheese that can only be described as it'll heal you in the middle of a Skyrim fight. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of cheese, man. (laughs) So, like, tell me I'm wrong, though. That was, like, the greatest metaphor possible, and I wasn't expecting it. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, okay, like, to just to look back for a second at at the Christian Bale, Christopher Nolan... Batman stuff in um, The Dark Knight, when he's like, let her go, or what was it? (laughs) You got a lot of fight in you. I love that. He's like, then you're going to love me. Like, it was, it's so ingrained in Batman because of the Adam West era that I can't help but love it, especially when we have uber serious kill everyone Batman. Mm. So that whole do you bleed thing is like... It's just hyper tough guy stuff that's so unnecessary and hilarious because of that. I don't know. I loved it. <laughs> and then you got scenes like uh, uh, George Clooney in, in Batman Robin where he just hops down and goes, Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong, though? Like, you go from, like, no! seriously intense Batman, and then he just hops down and goes, Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. Or, like, like the, the scenes where, like, him and Chris O'Donnell are fighting over Poison Ivy. And, and then oh of course, God. And, and then of course, never leave the home without it. Bat credit card. <laughs> never leave which home without we, it. We stand the bat credit card. Which, which funnily enough, DC actually is like like doing a bat credit card program now. So like, you actually can buy a bat credit card from DC. Look, I'll do it if I get Bruce Wayne's line of credit. <laughs> hey, that'd, that'd be some nice shit right there. <laughs> All right. So from the do you bleed, we enter. I, like, I, I left all talking about Wally specifically because I feel like Wally's entire scene collection can be one solid depression story because you go from 
him being trapped at, during the Battle of Metropolis, Metropolis, then him defacing the Superman statue, which I don't even know why these these people made a Superman statue when like like did he co-sign this? Like does he is he okay? Did he set a permit for that? Because I, I don't think that's okay. Like Superman could sue the state of Metropolis for that shit. <laughs> But anyway, no, like, you go from that to then, like, then him being, like, arrested and confronted by Lex to be involved in this whole scheme. And I, I can't even imagine what's going on in this guy's head. Like, nothing but, like, pain and revenge for how he lost everything. I, I think he's one of the better parts of the whole movie. I mean, he's reminiscent of collateral damage in every superhero film. I mean, even if you look at, oh, God, what's that, uh, Age of Ultron, Sokovia? Um, yeah, it's the, the Michael Baron Zemo thing. Yeah, I mean, the, it's even reminiscent of collateral damage in that. Like, it was putting a human face to the concept that, you know, we as comic book fans, we don't pay attention to. Like, I make the joke about Gotham's property, or uh, Metropolis's property taxes being so high. Because it's constantly being destroyed, but there is a human element to that. Yeah. And I think this was Snyder's attempt to try and bring recognition to that, of that it's not just a one-sided thing. But I don't know how well it worked out, in my opinion. Travis, your thought? Um, I don't think Superman really co-signs anything people do. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't even mean just that, but, like, Wal, like, Wally's entire arc and, like, how real it is. But also, yeah, like, Superman probably doesn't co-sign half the shit they do. Nah, he just looks at it and he's like, come on, man, fucking... And I, I feel like subconsciously when Super... Like, this is completely separate from the movie, but I feel like Clark subconsciously throws his villains into the shit that they build for him. Uh, you know, I, I'd probably believe that. <laughs> but like, stop uh, making I mean, statues. <laughs> Just throw it. <sighs> Wally's arc. He, you talking about the guy who got, who lost his legs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that. Okay, his arc was really, really sad. I admit, and I can understand how he was driven to like extremism and could blame Superman and all that. And I'm sure that was the goal. But I had a really hard time with how he was treated <laughs> you, the 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 court scene that's that's my issue with that like he he was on the come up things were looking good and then they just murdered him like, like they straight pulled pull the like the whole explosion like that's ooh yeah you that got scene, superman right? crying go ahead oh no i was just going to say that that scene ironically is one of my favorite of the movie <laughs> ooh okay explain well um First of all, Holly Hunter doing anything in is awesome. I love Holly Hunter. But um, I, I think it was... It's kind of a complicated scene for me because, you know, the whole thing is that the bomb is in his wheelchair and Superman can't see it. And that was the whole point. But I think it's Henry Cavill's face after, you know, while the room is on fire and these people are people are already dead and he's just crying because it's just it's that moment of very human shock i mean now you can get into the arguments of you know he can move quickly so he could have stopped it before the explosion reached past wally yada yada yeah but 
I like the the human element. I mean, in seeing Superman cry, it's not something that we're not used to because you know we're comic book fans. We've seen dozens of panels of Superman crying, but to see it in a movie that part of the plot is you know people elevate him as a god, yeah, and he's not all powerful. If that made any sense. Well, that boy makes perfect sense. And although one fun Easter egg about the um, the Senate hearing scene is that actual U.S. Senator Patrick Leahy is sitting right next to Holly Hunter. Oh. And his appearance in Batman vs. Superman was his fifth Batman movie. Really? Yes. He is an actual. He is an actual U.S. Senator. He's been in office for a couple of decades at this point. And um, he is a massive fan of Batman because, because as a child, he would go to his library and read comic books and absolutely fell in love with Batman specifically. Um, he was in Batman Forever, uh, Batman and Robin, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, and uh, Batman vs. Superman. He's always this little background character. Uh, I think he also did a guest voice in one episode of Batman the, Batman the Animated Series. Wow. And any licensing or royalties or appearance fees that he gets for his um, appearances in the films, he turns around and donates it all to charity, but from what I understand, most of the money ends up being donated back to the same library he went to as a little boy. Whoa. So that's just a fun bit of um, Batman trivia for you. That's pretty freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. That wow. <laughs> oh, that I didn't, oh, wow. He's a better Batman fan than all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like holy crap. But so, I think uh, if if I remember correctly, I think he started reading Batman in like the 1940s. Damn. Yeah. I'm like dumbfounded. Okay, then we get to go from that and talking about Lex Luthor's piss. <laughs> There you go. Yay, transitions. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, so, Jesse Eisenberg thinks it's a good idea to make a peach tea joke, since Holly Hunter referenced but Granny's peach tea when she said about like giving him giving him the rock. So, this man literally has it orchestrated, so right before she dies, there is like a, like a, a whole thing of his piss there. And I'm like, bro, for real? Like, that's some petty shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 Holly Hunter, like I, I, she was pretty much just playing the non-corruption, like okay with like senator. She wasn't really doing anything wrong in all essence. She was cautious of Superman, but like in a twenty-first century setting, what politician wouldn't be scared of Superman? You know what I mean? Big facts, though, because he can. You can circumvent any law that you have, and there's nothing you can do short of kryptonite or red sun radiation, and they don't know that in this movie. And it's like, 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 like there's all these talks that WB doesn't know what to do with Superman in a modern age, but like, say what you will about Zack Snyder, he kind of had the right idea to a certain degree, specifically with this, that like, you, they wouldn't really know what to do with him. Like, they'd be kind of afraid of him, wouldn't they? Uh-huh. Like, Mary, you know more about Superman than I do, so I want to hear your thought on that. I think, um, 
I, I may be erroneously um, attributing this to her, but I think Gail Simone said something to the effect of that Marvel create the MCU created a world with superheroes in it, but the DCEU tries to bring superheroes into our world. Because, I mean, that's reminiscent in BVS that, you know, we have um, members of the actual mainstream media. I mean, you had um, CNN reporter Soledad O'Brien was in the movie as herself. Um, John Stewart was in the movie as himself. You know, dozens of other reporters and whatnot were playing themselves, reporting on Superman being there kind of a thing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what Snyder was going for, was that, you know, oh, God, I'm trying to think of a way to put this, that this is how we would try to react to that. That, of course, the Senate would try to get Superman to come testify before them, or, you know, as a public hearing. And, of course, the media would be all over it. A personal favorite is the, you know, like, God hates aliens, Westboro Baptist signs that they have. Yes. It was ridiculous, and I loved it. And it would absolutely happen. Almost death. Like, those people would be there. They'd be like, the apocalypse is coming. The idea that literally Superman almost brought down the the entire... like like city was insanity. Um, like reference to uh or to January talk because obviously we're we're gonna have a whole episode devoted to Crisis on Infinite Earths. I I love how Will Wheaton gets that cameo at the beginning, like where he's the like the end is near guy, and that entire scene is so like realistic of what would happen in a real world setting with superheroes that everyone would be like, yeah, the, we're kind of all gonna die. Yeah, and I think um. The whole him appearing at the um, uh, the hearings in general, because like Travis said, you know, Superman could circumvent any laws that we had. But I feel that, you know, in some kind of awkward poetic fashion, this was Snyder trying to um, show that, you know, he is still an American citizen. I mean, you know, Superman's mantra for decades was, was truth, justice in the American way. And, you know why Holly Hunter wasn't afraid of, you know, necessarily afraid of Superman, you know, just kind of like, you know, he is a U.S. citizen responding to, you know, a formal request for inquiry from his government kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, it is also entirely possible that I am reading way too much into this and giving Zack Snyder way too much credit. So, I mean, like, take it with a grain of salt. Honestly, I feel like Zack Snyder deserves a lot more credit than we give him. Like, which I'm not trying to say I'm a full release of the Snyder Cut person because, like, I do yeah. like I, I don't agree with everything he did or like what I've heard about Justice League. I, I'm kind of like glad of what we got, but at the same time, I do think he is a visionary when it comes to being a director. In some cases, like mm-hmm. Sucker Punch is a freaking mad fest, but I love the the concept of it. So I can see what he's doing, and yeah. I can see what he's trying to stab at, but the execution is kind of where things fall apart a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. But I can definitely see what concepts he's trying to draw from, because uh, there's this, I don't remember if, if I think it's in BBS, but um, it's either in BBS or in Man of Steel, where he's, you know, at the farmhouse in Kansas, and he's drinking a beer and watching a football game, like... You know, that is who Superman is as a person, you know. I think it's in Man of Steel. 
where he's, you know, just drinking a Budweiser and watching a college football game. Like, and that's, you know, God, basically. So I think it's, you know, trying to, you know, um, link together Superman's kind of uh, omnipotent side, his human side, and then, like, who he is as a person, as a citizen, blah, blah, blah. And so, like, I can see where he's going, but I think it's the execution that was kind of shaky. I, I agree. Travis, your thoughts? I think Travis. Travis! Sorry, sorry. I got distracted. CC and came over and stuff. Um, What were we on? Superman in real world. <laughs> oh, just... Hmm. Um... On the on the front of why politicians are definitely afraid of him. Yeah. Uh, and man. also, Zack Snyder's a genius. <laughs> okay, so I That's mean, not it, what it, I said. <laughs> I know. I wanted to confuse Travis. Uh, yeah, that one was like, wait, wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait. Well, I think I think one thing that they didn't really consider, can, like Lex. His whole thing was that he just wanted to make Superman his plaything, to to dominate a god. You know what I mean? But in doing so, they kind of cast a light on him to show the audience that he, even though was unaffected entirely by whatever lead-covered bomb was in that courtroom, Superman was also deeply bothered that someone went to that length to do whatever they decided to do to him at that very moment. Um, that's also something I think the, the political aspect forgets about is that, uh, Superman is the most like bleeding heart human on, on paper, in my opinion. You know what I mean? So when they, when they tried to come at him, he was there purely because he's a boy scout and wants people to have faith and hope in him. But it's a world that, I don't know, Zack Snyder created a world where that doesn't actually exist. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense. I felt like I kind of rambled. No, you definitely made sense. All right. Like, so we go from th- this death and destruction, and yeah, that entire scene where, like, he's standing there in the rubble in the fire and, like, is just crying shows so much realism of who he is because he actually gives a fuck. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that about that, that, like, like Snyder's vision that he did care enough to show sure. Superman in pain. Hell, you look back and when he snaps Zod's neck, he didn't just like go out, like just stand there like, oh, he, like, he that didn't just cry sigh. of anguish gets me every time. Yeah, like I know people meme it all the fucking time, but like that moment is so like visceral and so real. And then like he just accepts Lois when she comes over to him. And, and just, like, is done. Like, he's so in pain that he broke one of his own core ideals just to save these people. Like, granted, I'd have just, like, threw Zod to the side, but, like, we, we, we won't get into that. I, I appreciate I mean, what was going on. I think the big argument is that it was baby Superman. Mm-hmm. I think BBS Superman has had more experience, but, I mean, this was tiny baby Clark. Yeah, he, he, he was fresh <laughs> Tiny baby Clark. He, he's fresh out the cut, man. Like he does put his suit on. Like literally, like like um, freaking uh, what's his face just gave it to him, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. So I, 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 Mary does have a point. So when we go from there, and 
like, like we see Luther gaining control of the Kryptonian ship and then begins to put Zod's body in this thing. That was a little freaky. I have no idea what was going on there. Just kind of like, okay, this is the thing that's happening. Yeah, like, and it, it'll lead into Doomsday when we get there in a minute, but like, that entire scene is so weird. And then I love how um, the, the Kryptonian computer is just like, you really don't have access to this, but because you had a Kryptonian's fingerprints that you peeled off of his body, I'm going to allow this. Like, huh? Nobody hmm. said Kryptonian cybersecurity was any good. <laughs> it should be miles ahead of anything we could think of. <laughs> it, it should be, but... Okay. I mean, they, they couldn't predict that the core of their planet was going to implode. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm gonna stick with the with the Man of Steel one, where it was corporate greed and they didn't care. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, all, all that phallic imagery probably had him a little confused, because, like, all the dicks, like, spaceships that Zack Snyder was drawing had me a little confused, too. Where are we getting all these statue materials? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So... This th th this one is to, is going to be time for Mary to draw her sword and, and defend because this one I'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a few minutes and then I'm going to relinquish because I have seen this for the past few years ever since this movie came out that Lois Lane is apparently just sent on a, on on on, the, on her little like mission with the bullet to give her a distraction that way she seems useful and I don't really agree. But, like, I, I kind of get where they're coming from with the argument. Like, they, she finds this bullet. She put herself in harm's way multiple times. She goes all the way to D.C. to confront, uh, apparently, according to Zack Snyder's notes, uh, Martian Manhunter, which is freaking insane. Um, and, like, this whole time she's there, and then she ends up being the, the most, like, like the most, oh, I can't even talk because I'm getting uh, off track. I'm losing focus. Because um, my cat's clawing at the door. You, the sheens of like getting in harm's way because of everything, and it, I'm trying to understand why they they put her on this fetch quest instead of like having her do half the stuff they should be doing. Like one argument that I've heard is that she should have been the one who was investigating Batman instead of Clark. Mary, your thoughts. Um, one, first of all, we should all be honored whenever Amy Adams graces our movie screens. Um, <laughs> wow. Give that, give that woman an Oscar, goddammit. Because Mary and I have this ongoing argument that Erica Durrance and, like, Amy Adams are either the best or the worst. When, 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 no, the, the, the best Lois Lane is Margot Kidder. Okay, no, yes, Margot Kidder is the highest, but, like, sec second place is either Erica Durrance or Amy Adams, and me and Mary keep having this war for the past few years now. Plot twist, it's Terry Hatcher, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I like Terry Hatcher, though. But, I mean, the easiest word to remember with Lois's involvement in Batman vs. Superman is exposition. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is, is that Lois, Lois's investigation into the bullet and the way LexCorp connects with everything, it, it is, it's exposition. And in terms of investigating Batman... 
we hadn't really seen an interest, you know, Lois expressed an interest in that before. And if you read the Superman comic books, um, Clark and Lois are notorious for having two different agendas. Like, she had her stories, he had his. Every so often they'd work together or collaborate, but, you know, she has what she wants to do. And, you know, she trusts, she trusts Clark enough, enough to know that he can get the job done. Not as good as her, but he can get the job done. So, and we don't really see how much they communicate about it. And I think it's one of those instances of Snyder didn't give us enough to be able to draw a meaningful conclusion. But if we look at Lois's actions in service to the plot, it's exposition. Okay. And I'm sorry, anyone who argues that we should have a Superman movie without Lois Lane in it. Just I don't even it's, think it's that. It's I think literally it's not how this works. I mean, I think I don't think it's that. I think it's more of they see that, like, because of her being sent on the expo- the, the, the exposition quest, that she isn't given the like the more inf- like the more influential role that she should be having. Like, it, like it doesn't. The the arguments that I've seen is that they shoehorned her in the movie to have another girl. Those are the arguments that I have seen, is that too much screen time was given to Amy Adams. So, um, wait, it... wait, 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 wait. How do you shoehorn in Lois Lane in a Superman story? I mean, like, she just kind of exists, like, in Superman stories. This is how it works. Like... But any any screen time devoted to Lois Lane was screen time that was not devoted to punching, if that makes any sense. Uh, How dare you have depth. (laughs) And I do think that that's where BVS did something right, but also kind of shot itself in the foot. Is that it had meaningful... it, It had the attempt of meaningful development of exposition when superhero films are notorious for spoon feeding it to you. And I think that's where the big, you know, separation comes from, is that, okay, this is how we would see exposition develop in, like, a drama or um, uh, a political thriller or something like that. It's not how we're used to seeing exposition delivered in a superhero movie, which, you know, we are told bluntly what is happening the entire time. I'm not shitting on Endgame in comparison or anything like that, but compare... Uh, Lois's exposition journey to the scene where um, Banner tries to explain time travel in Endgame. Ooh. If that makes any sense at all. And like I, like I said, this isn't a dig. It's not, you know, me shitting on anybody for anything. It's just an example of a superhero film spoon-feeding you the exposition exactly where, when, you need it to, when you need to have it. Okay. Travis, how, how do you, how do you feel about Lois in this movie? Because you seem I loved you seem very like passionate about this. Well, I I loved Lois because she was the like, other than like listening to other people's conversations and kind of watching what they were doing, Lois was the only one actively piecing together an an entire picture. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Because like, there's that one scene they t- that where. They're talking about what Superman is capable of on like a talk show, and as the audio is going over, it's starting to show all the crazy stuff that Superman has done, like saving spacecraft and 
all kinds of different things. And I'm looking at all these iconic moments and without Lois's input, I couldn't really find myself caring about those moments. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like Lo- Lois was the only one who connected any of the the relationship of what's happening on screen to why me, the audience, should give a damn. Yeah. And a personal opinion is that if you have a DC moment in comics, TV, whatever, and Lois Lane is in the room, if she's not the smartest person in the room, you've done something wrong. And I'm not talking like, oh, Lois Lane is smarter than Batman. But I'm just saying, if she isn't the, you know, the one with the quickest wit, if she can't think on her feet the fastest, you know, you've done something wrong. And I really hate to do this. I have to give Bendis credit for something. Ooh! 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 (laughs) Is that going into Event Leviathan, he described Lois Lane as the most dangerous woman in the DC universe. Ooh. And to a degree, I think that is true. Because because knowledge is power. More so than anything in the world. And, you know, we've seen that be Lois's mission since, you know, 1938. She's never been one to shy away from everything. You know, she has always done anything she had to uh, in pursuit of knowledge and the truth. So if she's not the most solidified character does that make any sense it doesn't make sense that if she's not the smartest person in the room you've done something wrong yeah that she has a morality and ideology stronger than any of the superheroes in the dc universe combined which is so crazy we stand lois lane we do (laughs) and somebody give amy adams an oscar god damn it She's been nominated like five times and never won. Eric is better. Amy Adams is a better actress. And they both came from Smallville. You're right, Amy Adams was on Smallville. I always forget that she was on there. She was one of those like early 2000s TV actresses that was supposed to go away. But then like, boom, she's one of the biggest celebrities in the world. It's so random, like... I, I totally forgot she was in Smallville, and then I go back and look at screenshots, and I'm like, yeah, you're totally... See, we, this is why, during 2020, we're having a Smallville review. We're doing it. I, I, like, it's going to be amazing. Oh, yes. I, I, I'm about this. I, I said it last episode, I'm saying it now again. We're going to do it. <laughs> y'all, y'all will hate me by the end of it, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. So, oh, I just, I just accidentally closed out the agenda, because I'm a moron. I hit the wrong button. I was trying to pull it back up. All right, oh, so we go from from, uh, from that to the confrontation that is Lex's crazy plan. So, <coughs> excuse me, we arrive at the top of the building where Lex has Lois captured. He has Martha off somewhere, and Clark shows up like, "Excuse me, you have my you have my girlfriend. What's going on here?" And Lex is like, "You're gonna go fight Batman because I said so," and I'm like. That's really how we're doing this? And on top of that, he goes, I have your mom, too! Like, really? <laughs> I, I couldn't help but just look at this like, really, you, you have everything you possibly need to lock it down just so he'll go fight Batman. Okay, sure. Let's, let's, let's go with that. And so, and, and I... 
Lex seems to be in too much of control of the situation. Like, not only that somehow, it's more vi- like believable that he figured out that Clark is Superman, given like the timing of like, oh, he grew up in Kansas, and then he told the um, the Martian Manhunter General that he grew up in Kansas and Man of Steel. That makes sense to me. But it's less believable that he figured out that Bruce was Batman. Like, specifically in this universe. Like, other universes and comics, okay, yeah, it's pretty easy to find out. But, like, in this universe, I don't fully believe it. I still maintain my belief of that it shouldn't be that hard to figure it out. Honestly. Who else is like, doing all that? How many billionaires can Gotham possibly have? All of A million. <laughs> Because there's Bruce, there's Cobblepot, there's Kate. Uh, uh, there, was, there was the one guy that caused Freeza's transformation, but I was forgetting the name. Yeah. Um, but, anyway, but no, I'm, but, yeah. I'm going off in a tangent. <laughs> but no, like, you see this, and it's like, okay, sure, let's buy this. And then Bruce is like, he's done jacked himself up, which... You see Bruce do all this working out and, like, lifting tires and shit, and it's like... I, I feel so like, like I, I wish I was one of the camera crew that just got to see Ben Affleck work out for two hours, but I, but not that. I'm good sure job. it was purely in the uh, interest of you know, filming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, like, hey, that man got, had to get jacked for that role because, like, goddamn. But then he puts the art. Also, this is an opinion that I've had ever since that first Comic Con show, like, like, like I talked about before. The bat armor bat looks armor? so freaking goofy in real life. And I stick Not by that statement. Lie. Because, like, because, like, like you, you go from the art style of Frank Miller in, in Dark Knight Returns, where, like, it's very visceral, and you have, like, Bruce, who's, like, super hulking-looking because of how old he is, and how, like, that's just the style of what Miller's going for. So seeing him in the bat armor kind of made sense. And then you see this where it just looks freaking goofy. And, and, like, it looks better when people cosplay it at, like, cons and shit. But, like, even here, it just, it just, mm, I just... And I think it's, I think it's because there are a lot of elements of superhero movies in general that just don't translate well. Because uh, cosplay is one thing because, you know, we're expecting it to be a costume. In a movie, we have to set aside, you know, we've got to willingly suspend our disbelief and like, okay, this is a real costume that's happening in real life kind of a thing. I mean, I do think the costume design for the DCEU has been pretty solid. But some elements, they just don't look great. Yeah. Like, Jason Momoa kind of looks goofy as shit in orange, but... I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> I also but, just like, hate the color orange. That's fair. Some people just don't like it. But that reminds me, I need to get the movie Aquaman uh, Trident. I, 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 I think, really I think uh, for me, the goofiest part of it all is the eyes. What, like and, the weird, like, like, fish eyes thing? Yeah, when they light up, like they do in the comic books where it's just the white. Like, yeah. I just... It looks it looks goofy. Like it looked goofy when Nolan did it. It looked goofy here. Like that's fair. And you think it'd have to be hard for them? To... <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, dom 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 dom. 
We get to the, the we, we get to the pervert like, like the literal V of Batman v Superman. The freaking fight. All eight minutes of it. Le- legit though. <laughs> if you even want to call it a fight. It, it's literally these people like throwing each other around like 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 dingbats for a little bit, and then like I still I still like don't fully believe the kryptonite gas thing works, but all right, cool. And, like, cause even if the kryptonite gas thing is working correctly, I don't get how Bruce can just throw around Clark like a ragdoll. But okay, sure, let, 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 let's go with it. And like, do you know how easy it would have been for like? for like clark to like laser the ground and say my mom is in trouble (laughs) like there could have been so like an easy way to prevent this fight that like the reasoning for the fight doesn't make sense and then the fight happens and it's eight minutes of of barely anything (laughs) although i do love the scene where he's um where the uh, kryptonite gas is starting to wear off and he just keeps punching uh, Superman in the face and then, like, you see his face just kind of stop moving. Because it's like, oh, I'm gonna die. <laughs> and can't we just say that Ben Affleck has some of the most hysterical facial reactions. He I love does. it. God, I loved him as Batman. Especially when, like, the mask breaks and, like, and, and we get to, like, the, the part that's coming up. Like, when you see the, like, the raw, like, him trying to be raw anger and it just doesn't oh, work. Like, the, the, I, I, I do like his little speech where he's like, I bet your parents told you you were special. I was like, damn, you, you hit to where he lives, huh? But Tra- Travis, you, like, like you, you are like as great, great of a Batman fan as the, as the, there ever was. How did how, how did you feel about this fight? It was not a fight. It was not a fight. <laughs> it was eight minutes of Batman kicking the ever living fuck out of Superman. Damn. That, I, that that's true. But damn, you're right. <laughs> I say that because the the way it plays out is Superman has no idea what's going on with kryptonite at all right yeah and so he gets hit with this shit that weakens him at a molecular level (laughs) and then batman just goes to town and doing what batman does this is this is like that part in the movie where everyone who's like a huge batman fan like me knew how it was going to play out in this movie only because superman had never been introduced to kryptonite so as soon as they saw it we were like okay He's going to beat the crap out of him because Superman doesn't know how to manage. You can tell because there's that, that part where he's coming back from it right before the second shot when he takes that piece out of Batman's helmet because Superman's just in such a panic. He's trying to literally kill Bruce with his hands. You know what I'm, ta- remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. That part kind of spoke volumes to me because you can kind of see that, that Superman has no idea what's going on. He He's... Not sure if he can maintain if another one of these things happens. And it gets to the point where Batman literally stomps him from the top of the building to the bottom of the building. So, uh, I don't... I liked the scene overall. And it was really corny. Like, the whole, your parents told you you were special. I love that so much. Like, he's so visceral and just angry and wants to put this guy down. I love it. See, and here's here's where I kind of feel like a bad Batman fan, because that whole part, I love Batfleck, but that whole part where he goes, dying in the gutter, is blah, 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 blah. I was like, that's too edgy. I don't even care what you said now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you <for> real? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, and, 
then the Martha part afterwards was just so I was like, man, they did that. They did that. Uh... I love it so much. Like it's it's so cringe. It's so good. So we get through the whole fight, the whole the whole eight minutes, and then he pick he throws him down. He picks up the spear, sits on his throat, and the line happens. And the like, like I, the thing is, I can believe that as confused and as frustrated by losing his powers that Clark would say something or like save my mom, save Martha, whatever. But then, and the thing is, I don't even care that like either Snyder or whatever studio exec draw, like drew the parallel of their moms having the same name. Cause like obviously Bob Kane and um, like, like in finger and then uh, she and sister didn't know that that was going to be a connection whatsoever. Like that's fine. Martha was a very common name. Yeah, so that that's fine, but like, I like wh- whoever a DC or WB like drew the parallel and put it in the movie. I don't care. It's it's Affleck's expression and how he like gives the line that like it makes it so memeable and sad because like it just mm, the why did you say that name? It just mm, it hurts. He's like my shaking soul. and he's breathing heavy and there's like spit flies. <sighs> yeah. Why did you say that name? <laughs> just so much <laughs> yeah like I, I i'm so into what's going on and then he does that and then like it, like this is where i'll agree to with, with uh mary that amy adams deserves her oscar because she runs and just says it's his mother's name like it just you can see that like the, like, like the pure emotion in her face like that's one of those things where i can see amy adams put him work in but then her th- her and throwing the spear down and then having to go get it later which is, is fun, funny to me but we're not there yet um so like this whole scene happens and okay cool they're buddies now everything's resolved but just the meme the the meme factor is so depressing and i hate that it exists mary how do you feel about this scene i think the scene is it's a lot of things again like i said it's one of those things where you can clearly see what snyder was trying to do and it's one of those scenes where the execution kind of fell apart. If you look at it, you know, like, okay, this is what it is. You know, it's they're both in very heavily agitated states. They're both, you know, freaking the hell out, trying to kill the other person. Because something that we've established throughout the entirety of the film is that Batman is afraid of him. I mean, we saw that in the scene where, um, you know, the uh, the Batmobile uh, goes around the corner, then he runs into Superman. Like, that is a look of fear. Batman is afraid of him. And, you know, you have to try and, you know, get that moxie up to face a situation that you are probably scared to death of. So I think that that can be used as an explanation for the heightened emotions. And I also agree with the whole Superman's, you know, saying, hey, can you save my mom for me? But I think it was a scene that had every good intention, and I think it was just a really shaky execution. But I think Amy Adams does what she can to save the scene, and Affleck does play it off as well as he can. That being said, I am sick to death of it. 
Like, Preach. yes, it's cheesy. Yes, it's funny. But good God, people, it has been three years. Can we move on from it? Yeah, it's it's getting to that point. Like, I'm sorry. It's just the meme is dead, in my opinion. Destroy the meme. Okay, so we go from Martha to what I call the second third act of the movie, because this is like the 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 part of the movie where it kind of feels like we have to like back up and start like another movie because of Lex still out there. And then Lex lowers Zod's body in, into the machine, and he 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 activates Superman's Doomsday. And ugh, so many things wrong here. Ugh, but we'll, we'll come we'll come back to we'll Doomstrack. We'll, we'll come we'll come back to Doomstrack. So we we have what what I like to call Batman Arkham Dawn of Justice, <laughs> where. You have Batman say, Martha won't die tonight. And he, he flies his, like, military-grade jet jammer, like, uh, a.k.a. his version, of uh, Zack Snyder's version of the Batwing, over to this warehouse and goes to save, uh, like, Mar- Martha uh, from, like, from KG Beast and all his goons. And it literally plays out, like, the best freaking thing you could possibly imagine for a Batman fight scene. But the, the the joke is still there that it plays out like how a scene in one of the Arkham games would. Like you didn't expect this fight to come, and then it happens, and it's like, oh, this is freaking amazing. I mean, and I stand by you know something I've always said about Zack Snyder is that man knows how to choreograph uh, choreograph choreograph a fight scene. Yes. Because it's easily one of the best scenes in the movie. I love almost every fight scene that he choreographs. It, it's just flawless. And it's just like you you see him just like he rolls over the the, the crates and he like starts shooting people with, with with the grapple gun and everything just happens the way it should and it's just it's so perfect and then he goes into the into the room where KGBs has Martha he's like I'll shoot her I will and he's like I believe and like that line is some is some shit that like Keaton or Adam West would have said like I believe you and then just like does whatever he has to to save the person like that was one of those few things. Where, where that that, that like that campiness that of Batman, Batman shined, and I, and I really appreciated that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was nice because like I don't know for me it kind of translated to when he did that. KGB was like, "What the fuck?" And then and then Batman got the upper hand <laughs> on him. Like, <laughs> I mean, Travis, how'd you how'd you feel about that? How, how'd you feel about the like the, the Arkham video game brought to life? It was. It was awesome, man. Seeing them, like, my favorite part of that whole fight scene is he he dodges someone's strike. I forget what the strike is exactly, but he rolls over him back to back and then, like, hook shot punches some dude's head into the floorboard and breaks the floor. And I was just like, oh, it, exactly. It's like Arkham. There's no better way to describe that, honestly. <laughs> like, it makes you want to, like, pull up pull up uh, the, like, the Arkham Knight video game and, like, play through the Iceberg Lounge and just start beating everybody up. Bro, Arkham City straight up has a BVS skin where they, they call it they, it's Frank Miller's Batman, but it looks a lot like Batfleck. Yeah, then they have the actual Arkham like like, like skin for BVS, and it, it's so perfect. Oh yes, I might have to play Arkham Knight later. Um, so we go like so. There's that moment where 
Bruce saves Martha. He's like, hi, I'm a friend of your son's. And there's more camp, and I love it. And she's like, I, I figured the mask. Like, that, 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 that was just, that was golden right there. I love that so much. The delivery was perfect. Yes. Like, there, there, there was no better way to do that. And, it, like, because if you did it any different, it would have sounded stupid. So, from there, we go into the Steppenwolf cameo, which it still cracks me up how different Steppenwolf looks in, in, in here than he does in Justice League. Like, he looks like an animal here, and then you get to Justice League, and it has, like, a face and, like, weird, it just... I don't even know why they put this in the movie, other than it, like to shoehorn the fact in that they're going to be like he'll be the main protagonist, like antagonist of the next movie. But it just like it it seems so random in the grand scheme of things when we're getting ready to see Doomsday c- come out and start like throwing hands. Thoughts? I don't know space magic. Yeah, like it just it seems so random, and like <laughs> I don't understand why we're even bringing him into into this when. It doesn't need to be a thing. We already have so much going on. We just have Batman and Superman throwing hands. We're about to have like the 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 third bit, like like the act replayed again with a new like an, like antagonist. Like I, I I didn't understand why we needed to have the, like the foreshadowing. We already have foreshadowing of like Diana looking at the footage of Aquaman, Cyborg, and Flash. Like we already have our like notice of what's coming next. I mean. Every movie does too much. I mean, I agree. The Steppenwolf scene, like, it, it's an obvious lead into okay, this is what we're going to be dealing with in Justice League. But every movie does something too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, out of all the times that people said, you know, shoehorn Wonder Woman, I want that criticism to, and that same energy to be put forth to anything apocalypse related in Batman versus Superman. <laughs> yes. Exactly. The, just, yes wholeheartedly agree on that one so then we get to what what i like who i like to call doom shrek because i i i firmly stand on the ground that it's so sad to me that we now have two other live action interpretations of doomsday that are on television that look better than the cgi troll that someone like created like, like whoever the, who, whoever had to be the designer for, for Doomsday, I feel so bad for you because not only did, did Zack Snyder or whoever say it has to look like it was more from Zod, it doesn't even look like Doomsday. Like if this would like when, when they first revealed this is what Doomsday looked like at, like in a trailer, I figured okay, this he, he's probably gonna get like roughed up and then grow the crystals on his body. Nope, he just looks like a a, a troll in an in a Xbox 360 v, video game for like the entire fight. And I don't understand like who thought this was a good idea. Thoughts. I mean, it just looks bad. It, it it looks better there towards the end of the fight when we got all the spikes start coming out, but... His face looks like a fist. Like... <laughs> it does. Yeah, like, when you, when you make a fist, like, where your fingers and your thumb meet, that's Doomsday's face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had never thought of that. Although I will, I will use a bit of snide topical humor. I had the Black Widow trailer before Star Wars, and it still looks better than Taskmaster. Taskmaster. Ouch. 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 <laughs> Topical really humor. Bad. Ouch. 
I mean, hey, they, they just released a to- one of the toys from Light Widow for Taxmaster, and it looks like he's going to get his shield, so, like, I have a little bit of hope. Oh, no, I don't doubt the skull helmet would look goofy as shit. But this one just kind of looks like a paintball mask you pick up at Walmart. I mean, I think the skull helmet could have done well if they didn't, or if they put some effort into it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Because for Taskmaster, it almost looks like it's his face. Uh-huh. Anyway, that was just my bit of snide topical humor. <laughs> I appreciate it, because the D- Doom Shrek has me just like, ugh. So. They're both, they're both terrible. <laughs> yeah, they're both horrible. Because then we have Batman and Superman pull up to square up against a Doom Shrek. And it's actually pretty good at first. Like, if if they if they wouldn't have put Wonder Woman in here, I feel like sooner or later they would have figured it out. But like, her, like, like her actually being there and then leading them into battle is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. I like how they nuke Superman. Yeah, like like flat out, like just like. Good sl- job, Patrick Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that he was the voice of the president, and then he was Orm. It's so, it's so hilarious. Because <laughs> I ended up finding that out later, and it, it just like because not only do we have him nuking Superman, but he's been Night Owl and he's been Aquaman's brother. Like, uh-huh. and they like, and they all have a connection to Zack Snyder. <laughs> Plot twist: The Conjuring's gonna cross over with the next DC movie. Oh my god! <laughs> There's a ghost talking the to me. There's a ghost talking to me. <laughs> His name is Ocean Master. Oh my lord! Well, you remember they they stuck Annabelle in Aquaman. No, they did not. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. In um, uh, the scene where there's that trailer underwater, you can see her floating there. Floating there. Oh no! I have to go back and watch this battle. Oh no! That hurts my heart. That hurts my heart. She's in um, she's in Shazam too. Jesus. That hurts. That's just not well, okay. Well, because, because uh, James Wan is the head of the Conjuring universe, so he, you know, first brought Annabelle in, and yeah. then uh, the director of Shazam directed Annabelle Creation. So like, DC in- just keeps having all the Annabelle references. Well, and it's also a Warner Brothers property. But in the very beginning of Shazam, when Billy locks the cops in the thrift store. I think if you look to the left of the screen, you can see Annabelle in the thrift store. Oh my god. That is hysterical. <laughs> and it's pretty uh, good. So, we get one, the, 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 probably the best moment of the whole movie. Uh, Doomstruck pulls up and shoots the laser, which I still think like, Doomstruck shooting, like, Doomsday shooting lasers is freaking stupid. Um, he shoots the laser, aims it at, at, at Batman and Superman. And then she just she comes down from the heavens, and then the, the cello plays, and, and it's on. Oh, Diana is here. Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> I think the coolest thing about all of that is that you know when when Batman sticks his hands up, which is a matter of controversy all its own. Um, and she drops down, and then you know you see her with the arms crossed in front of, uh, in front of her face. My entire theater just broke into crazy applause and cheering. Like it was, it was pretty dope. And like it wasn't, it wasn't just me. 
and um, uh, friends that I had that went to see the movie opening weekend too. It was a constant theme is that everybody applauded when uh, Wonder Woman made her entrance. Nice. And like, it's that perfect moment of like, so many people have waited for it for so long that Wonder Woman finally gets to be in a live action movie. And she's uh-huh. there, she's and she's ready for battle. Like it isn't just some stupid shit. Like she, right. like, squ- she squares up. And I love the line. Like it, it, it's, it sounds stupid when Affleck says it because of his voice modulator. But like the is she with you? I thought she was with you. It's so perfect and comic booky, and I love it to death. And then she's just like, okay, cool. Now I'm gonna lead you boys into battle, and it's so amazing. Uh huh. And I think that. There's a lot that the Trinity fight does well. Because, again, it's choreographed beautifully. Yes. Um, It's hysterical because against Doomsday, Batman legit has nothing to do. He pulls up with a gas gun like he's gonna do some shit. (laughs) I mean, he had, I think he had, like, the uh, one kryptonite bullet left. Yep. But, I mean, it's it's an undeniably, it's an amazing shot. But I, I do like that when Doomsday starts to like go Super Saiyan or whatever, he just dives under something. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, you're probably gonna die, Bruce. You might want to move. But I think the entire Trinity fight um, speaks to the ability and the trust and the natural fluidity that comes when the Trinity is together. That. They, I mean, Bruce had had some interaction with Diana, but had no idea Wonder Woman was a thing. Superman's like, I'm trying to figure out who the hell both of you are. <laughs> but you seem like you know what you're doing, so let's just, you know, we'll we'll just center this around you, hun. And it like it lends to the idea that like super when he when Superman knows there's good people around him, he'll actually like put that full trust in them. And uh, I think one of the scenes that I like the best is that, you know, Diana sweeps out um, Doomsday's leg by hitting him in the back of the shin with the shield. And then he, you know, he trips up and then Superman comes down and slams him into the ground. Yep, combos. Like, it's, it, it's that kind of natural combat fluidity that is just completely indicative of the DC Trinity. Yes. I mean, even then... Um, Batman hitting Doomsday with the Kryptonite thing long enough for like Lo- long enough for um, for Lois, <laughs> but long enough for Diana to get the lasso around him and to hold him, and then you know we come in with the spear, and then we do all death of Superman. Yeah. That is... Okay. So since you since you made that perfect transition, and well, she cuts her she cuts his hand off. <laughs> Like that was ridiculous when Diana just like just cut off Doomsday's arm. I love it so much. Like that 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 savagery. Like she and it, it lends to her being fully t- trained in the combat. Like yes, she was trained by Jenny from Forrest Gump, but at the same time, she's amazing. Like <laughs> you're horrible. I'll never let it die. <laughs> you need to let it die. Jenny's garbage. Hippolyta is life. It's what's her like? I forget her name. But, um, Antiope. Yeah, Antiope. Antiope. But like, no, nah, like I will never let that joke die. Just like, like, because I'm not, because I'm not the biggest, um, the like, what's what's the other movie that everyone knows her from? Forrest Gump. 
Princess, Princess Bride. Um, oh. I'm, not the, I'm not the biggest Princess Bride fan, so I call her Jen A from Forrest Gump. Like, that's what I do. So, there's that. But no, like, yes, she was trained by Jen A, but at the same time, she's still a badass in her own right. So, we get, since Mary made that perfect transition, we, we get to the death of Superman. And there's that moment that, ugh, I, I really don't even know how to process because I, I remember being in Texas in Tennessee at the Dolby like cinema theater where like they have like the super fancy sound quality and it happens and nobody really like had a reaction like there was there was no gasps there was no anything and it, we, we like almost everyone in the theater just kind of accepted it from the jump uh-huh. And it kind of didn't like it, it wasn't, wasn't earned for me. for me. Like, like specifically because of the fact that we already knew Justice League was in the works. Specifically, the fact that that we rushed all this stuff together because not only do you have the Batman versus Superman fight, and then you're trying to tackle on Doomsday because I don't think Doomsday should be in this movie. I think if anything, you should have threw Eisenberg in a robot suit and said, "Let's have Eisenberg square off against the Trinity." That would have been better than him, like, creating Doomsday out of Zod. Like, because if anything, Doomsday should have been what you did for, like, Man of Steel 3. Like, I, I, I hate the idea that we just said, okay, cool, we're going to kill Superman. And then everyone knows, obviously, for Justice League, we're going to bring him back. Specifically because the day that the Justice League Comic-Con trailer dropped, they released artwork of Superman lined up with the Justice League. So, so, like, it, it felt like it wasn't earned for me. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but, like, I just... The Death of Superman this movie just irks the god out of me. Well, I, I completely agree, honestly, but that's that's because there are tons of moments in this movie that are unearned, in my opinion. And a lot of this, like, uh, in my opinion, this movie kind of falls short big time because it spent a lot of its time trying to catch up with the MCU, is what it felt like. And so when they when they just kind of threw in the death of Superman, and let's be honest, as soon as he said Doomsday, we knew. Yep. We all knew. <laughs> you know what I mean? Superman's going to die at the end of this movie. All right. Cool, man. And, but I think it would have been cooler if, if DC would have stuck with it and not told us immediately that the next movie he's going to be back. You know what I mean? They if they would have dared to be different in a few areas, I think it would have done better. But just... The way that they did that Death of Superman, it was significant, but, like, why, though? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Mary. I'm like, I don't know how you would feel about, like, the, the, the death scene, but I figure, I, I figure this would be, like, your time to defend it if, if you have any feeling toward it. I think this is, it's another moment where, as much as I do enjoy the movie, yes, it did too much. But I do think this is one of those instances where it was too much, but the delivery sold it for me. That um, the death of Superman is one of my all-time favorite DC storylines. So I'm kind of like in the point point like the point zero 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 one percent of people who were actually excited to see it adapted. And I mean, as soon as they as soon as they showed Doomsday in the trailer, I I, I knew Superman was gonna die. And um, they le- it had been leaked maybe a few days before the movie opened. Somebody um, took a picture 
in the theater and then leaked the uh, screen cap all over the internet. But the scene where, you know, Diana's holding him with the lasso and then he flies in with the spear and uh, then Doomsday takes his little thingy and stabs Clark in the heart with it. What got me um, very emotional about it is the way Superman reaches forward and pulls himself further onto the spike to drive the spear completely in Doomsday. Like, that gets me every single time. Because I have this weird, um, not necessarily veneration, but um, Superman is kind of the epitome of what we all should be as people. I, I have a very uh, ideological, that's the word I'm looking for. I have a very ideological view of Superman. So I was okay with the scene because of the way Cavill played it. Like, he knew he was going to die, but if he was going down, he's taking Doomsday with him. And it's, you know, it's the whole sacrificial thing. So, yeah, it wasn't done great. The scene was too much. They probably shouldn't have done Doomsday. But it was the delivery that did it for me. Okay. See, I like that you defended it the way you did. Like, I'm okay with that. Okay. So, so we we have, we have the, the the funeral, and I think wait. So like at this point, are we like all like d- d- like from what like the context clues given? Do they pretty much just say like like I know there's the whole like newspaper article of like reporter dies at the scene of doomsday thing there, but uh-huh. with the fact that they like have like Lois and Martha at the funeral and whatnot. Is there some indicator that Clark and Superman are the same person? Do they kind of accept that, or they just kind of go back to whatever? I mean, it was widespread devastation. It wouldn't have been... And he's a reporter, you know, stupid reporter gets too close, gets killed. Yeah. I mean, we see war correspondents get killed all the time. And then he does go back to work and Justice like, okay, cool. So that, that, that gets rid of that question. Okay. So, yeah. You make a very good point. Yeah, reporters die all the time. Okay, but no, the the line that Bruce gives at Clark's funeral of, I failed him in life, I won't fail him in death. I think this line lends to pretty much the only criticism that I will actively give about Justice League, well, besides the Joss Whedon dumb sex sexism shit. Um, yes, that, <laughs> same. Like, cringes all around. Cringes all yeah, around. Yes, yeah, very, very much. <laughs> um, um, like, like the main criticism I, I give about Justice League like stems from this line, where actively in Justice League you see them trying to retcon Superman's existence in the D, like this DC universe of the like Superman like like was this hero that we all believed in and like all this stuff like trying to make him bigger than what they what they made him in the thing. And I find myself frustrated by this because if you wanted to have Superman be be this fear like this feared like thing, like some people love him, some people fear him, stick to that. Don't that, that, that great. This probably this might lend to the whole Snyder cut thing, but also Batman's motivation for all of Justice League, which is obvious, it was all all throughout the whole thing. You can't just go from he's evil, we must kill him to oh. 
I believe in his ideals and I will bring him back because we need him. Like, like See, am I making it, sense? <clears throat> yes, because that brings me to like the fundamental problem I personally had with the DCEU as a whole. And that was Man of Steel made Superman edgy and then Justice League made Batman optimistic. And I feel like those are very large nails in the coffin. If I'm being completely honest with you. Oh. Okay. I, I don't know, man. Because, like, Man of Steel was... I, I liked it, objectively. I personally liked the movie. But I know, deep in the pits of my soul, and I'm pretty sure Mary might shout, even though she's on mute right now, that there is no way in any world conceived that Clark would let Pa die. Oh! Oh! Yes! I mean... <laughs> It's Kevin yes, Costner, Kevin so I support it. I cannot stand Kevin Costner. That is legit the only reason I am okay with it, is because it is Kevin Costner. <laughs> That's so terrible. <laughs> when he showed up in BBS, like, Victoria had to put her hand on my arm because I thought that I wouldn't have to deal with it again. But I... Okay, if you want to know why I hate Kevin Costner... Do it! Do a back to back of Waterworld and the Postman, and then and then get back to me. Oh God, Waterworld's so bad. <laughs> the Postman's not much better. Oh my God, I love it. And like that whole scene of like Clark James. and Ed, like forcing himself in exile, and then Kevin Costner's ghost just shows up. Like, what's up? <laughs> I was like, why? I hate Kevin Costner. More than I hate Gwyneth Paltrow. <gasps> what? Why do you hate Gwyneth Paltrow? It is this whole thing, my hatred with Gwyneth Paltrow. Goop. Like, that, there's, so goop. Much, there's so much goop. Goop. Okay. We'll talk about it after the show. But no, like, okay. So, like, like so, Mary, your thoughts on, like, the whole optimism and stuff and, like, Superman getting retconned and such. Well, in terms of his funeral being the big, Superman's funeral being the big whoop-de-doo that it was, is that the fear that we saw in BVS came from the media and the government. Yes, Superman was always going to have detractors, but there's that big montage in the middle where, you know, we do see him, you know, catching the rocket and then saving people from the building. Yep. So we see him interact with people the most. And the people probably loved Superman. I mean, you know, they built the statue. And I think that is meant to be the antithesis of the governmental paranoia. Because this is something that, you know, a good majority of people can like and trust and support more than the government. So I think it was kind of trying to play off of the paranoia of people in power and um, what average people actually thought. And, you know, the whole Superman fighting doomsday thing was all over television. That's how Diana even saw that it was happening. Yep. Okay. So, I, I, just, I, I just... I hate the whole... We're gonna like change everything and make him seem more of like this hopeful icon thing. That's like my one thing that bugs me. But eh. So the whole thing at the end of the movie, we have 
did, that movie didn't know how to end. It just kept going. <laughs> yeah, it, like this whole movie just keeps going because we have Lex Luthor out his damn mind, bald in a jail cell, and babbling on because now that like the whole thing with Doomsday happened, he like he got that whole dose of like from Steppenwolf of craziness from Apocalypse, and like he's being this like like this, this prophetic thing of like he's coming, he's coming. And then Batman shows up like, I'm about to brand the fuck out of you, guy. And then he sees how crazy Lex is and is just like, you know what? You're not worth it. And <laughs> just leaves. Honestly. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. It's another Easter egg. Oh, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to bitch. So <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. <laughs> uh, the Easter egg. There's a couple of Easter eggs with... Um, uh, with Lex Luthor there in the end when he's in the prison jumpsuit. Uh, his prisoner name is... Uh, his prisoner number, excuse me, is AC231940. It is a reference to Action Comics number 23 from 1940, which is the first time we saw the first incarnation of Lex Luthor. Damn. And then um, it says on his jumpsuit, TK421... Which, if I remember correctly, is the Stormtrooper's designation that Luke Skywalker took in the first one. That's random, but alright. It's because Zack Snyder and J.J. Abrams, they're friends and they go back and forth, and he was doing the Star Wars Uh, thing. Okay. Uh That makes sense. Okay. So, So, Travis, Travis, you're bitching. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's just more of that apocalypse shoehorning I fucking hated that like it was so it was so much I don't know I almost feel like it was you, you guys have heard the term nerdgasm this was like nerd edging cause we never got that we got Steppenwolf but none of the good parts of apocalypse you know what I mean no one cares about Steppenwolf and parademons nobody not a soul so I, I just get irritated retrospectively every time I think about that scene. Okay, that, that's fair. I, I, I that, 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 that that wasn't as big of a bitch as I thought it'd be, but all right. Well, I've been bitching all night. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Okay, so we have we have finished the movie. We are at the point in in the year where. BVS has ended. We have Wonder Woman coming up, and we 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 know Clark's in the grave, and that's it. So, I I find myself now with Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman, all coming out. Wonder Woman eighty four on the way. I, I I'm kind of sad to see what the DC universe has become, because wow, you want to run that by me again? Let me finish. Let me finish. I, I, the fact that, and like, I, I remember someone made this joke a while back, that the bat, the like, the baddest bitch in the whole DC universe, a guy who talks to fish, which that hurts me. I hate that. Aquaman's amazing, and I, it frustrates me that he still gets compared to that. But for the sake of the reference, the baddest bitch in the DC universe, a guy who talks to fish, and a twelve-year-old are the biggest selling movies in the DC Cinematic Universe. That's insanity. Wonder Woman outsold Shazam. I said all three are the biggest. Oh, sorry. 
Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I, I, I all three, I, any of these three are bad. I, 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 I love that Aquaman was Aquaman Two is funded by the Chinese. Trust me, I, I, I get, I get a sequel to one of my, one of my favorite superhero movies of all times. Like, nah, I, like the reference at hand is the idea that the three most unlikely at the time are the biggest selling, whereas Batman, Batman's getting rebooted. And, and Superman's just Superman lost out at lost sea out because C- Cavill's doing yeah. with Witcher, and Witcher's amazing. Go watch it. But like, yo, he doesn't <laughs> need to go back to Superman. He's he's Geralt of Rivia, and if anyone wants to, if I'm I'm at Onyx Revelation on Twitter, and I got all the time in the world to poison my energy with your dumbass opinion. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> yo, like and the thing is, like, but they could have like started this whole like because they've been saying for a while now that, that there's the possibility that um Ezra Miller's Flash movie whatever the fuck that's going to come out that this was going but that his movie will this cause Flashpoint and then like Wonder Woman Aquaman and Shazam will just ride off and be the new Justice League but like um it has a release date and they have since uh switched screenwriters so we don't know if Flashpoint is still in the mix or not oh lovely because Christina Hodson who wrote Birds of Prey and who's writing Batgirl is also writing Flash dang she's writing everything now Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I, I find myself saddened by the fact that like we're not like, like A it, it, I'm still pissed at the fact that like Ray Fisher's on Twitch now because they, they kind of just threw the whole um, cyborg movie in the trash can which obviously that was probably going to happen anyway but the fact that he's not even getting like cameo spots in other movies pisses me off but that's already pretty which is a damn shame because Ray Fisher is a phenomenal actor. He is, and like I know everyone hates on him because he was mostly CGI, and like it, he was still trying to figure out how to emote in parts of the movie because like Zack Snyder was making it weird. But whatever, I liked his vision of Cyborg. I liked the fact that we got that really iconic C on his, on on his armor at the end of the movie because uh-huh. they they even did that full progression how it was in the the John's Justice League War book where you see him go from being banged up from the apocalypse tech to then being in the armor. I love that. But, like, we're literally at a point where we can never have, like, a Justice League 2 because the fact that Pattinson's Batman now and Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Shazam are making gangbusters, so we're not going to just cut them off. Like... It's it's kind of like I don't, I I don't know I, I thought myself frustrated by the entire situation. They're leaving Cavill out to dry because Cavill said in an interview recently that even though he's playing doing Witcher, he'll come back for Superman. Which okay, cool, but someone needs to tell WB to get get off their ass and do it. I think. Oh, go ahead, Travis. No, 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 no. This is your thing. This is Superman. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was gonna make a comment about the DC movies as a whole. So uh, go. go for it. Oh, I just I just want to say that Cavill is honestly one of the best Superman I've seen on screen ever. Period. Absolutely. Okay. I think he needs a script worthy of him. That's it. That's what it is. He's a he's he we is a Superman a... that we didn't deserve almost. <laughs> we got a little bit of it in Justice League. Yes. When he, when he does the whole oh I'm a, I believe in truth but I'm a big fan of justice like that is such a superman thing to say. Yes. But um 
And Hell, that's why like, he like works with Cyborg in that one scene, like and like even Cyborg's getting like emotional and fangirly when he's trying to like save the universe. I love that whole moment right there. Mm-hmm. But, but, sorry. No, you're fine. In my opinion, um, DC with their movies and wanting to launch an extended universe, they were fucked from the beginning. Because this is what happens when you spend uh, 30, 40 years throwing all of your money and time and resources into characters. And now when when the Reeves Superman movies were coming out, hell, even longer than that, probably about 80 years, because you had the Fleischer cartoons, you had the super, super, super racist uh, Batman film serials, you had the Adventures of Superman. Like, they had spent decades dumping shit tons of resources into Batman and Superman that, of course, they failed. Because, you know, they tried to do too much too quickly, and you're retelling stories you have told dozens of times. I mean, and I think part of why the MCU did as well as it did is that, let's be honest here, uh, before everything happened, the X-Men. The X-Men were the moneymakers of Marvel for decades. Mm-hmm. And so you had a decent crop of relatively B-list characters. And I mean, Iron Man, Captain America, the Avengers, it's a solid B-list if you want to compare it to the history of the DC characters. And just the absolute weight of the X-Men in comparison. So they got to do more. And that's why I think a lot of MCU stuff came across as really fresh. Is because, you know, these aren't characters that we've seen a bazillion times before. I mean, why do you think Disney wants to put so much time between the Fox X-Men movies and whatever they're going to do? So it stands to reason that, of course, Batman and Superman would run into problems. And now I'm not trying to absolve anything that happened between BVS and Justice League. That's not what I'm doing. But I'm saying that it certainly didn't help. And what screwed them, what screwed Warner Brothers and DC even more was that, you know, yes, they tried to play catch up. And it's easy to point your fingers and go, see, you should have taken your time. But if they would have taken their time, it would have been the exact opposite. By the time Justice League did roll around, people are like, well, you should have done this years ago. Justice League should have come sooner. So they were Mm -hmm. fucked no matter what they did. So it's easy to point fingers and say, okay, here's everything you did wrong. But if they, you know, in the alternate timeline where they, you know, didn't do everything they did wrong, they would have, everything else would have been wrong too. So, I think damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I think there's a very specific reason as to why Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and critically Shazam did very well. Financially, it is considered a flop. Oof, rough out. And it, it doesn't make sense because Shazam did very well. But if you start breaking it down into, you know, most MCU films are in the solid 800 to a billion dollar marker. It is, a, a lot of people do consider Shazam to be a complete financial failure. That's depressing. Damn. 
Yeah. And it is it, it critically wonderfully rated. The audience loved it. The critics loved it. But I think DC is going to spend a long time playing into their smaller properties. Okay. There will be tie-ins simply because Gal Gadot is still around, uh, Jason Momoa, Margot Robbie. Like, we have people who were connected to this original crop of movies. So either it's just never going to be addressed and we're all just going to agree not to talk about it anymore, or it's something that they're going to deal with later on down the line. And I kind of like that DC wants to do some interesting things because you know we have birds of prey on the horizon that uh, comes up really quick here in february uh in uh, early february we have birds <coughs> of prey coming out and i'm excited to see you know dc do something different and i think that is where they will find their strength and and wonder woman will be the big um draw that batman and superman have traditionally been definitely that first trailer was freaking amazing but... Which, okay, I just remembered something random. Um, maybe it's just me, but can we agree that Jeremy Irons' Alfred doesn't age well? I disagree. His <laughs> Alfred is freaking amazing. Especially now going back and wa- like with him and Watchmen, like seeing the stark contrast of like, oh, he's playing this uh, Ozymandias that like is super smart, but like is like like, like crazy and everything. But then you see him as this this like 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 super snarky like like a- like asshole like Alfred that just does not give a-, a crap about Bruce's shit anymore. I love it so much. It's the one refreshing thing of the entire movie. Okay, so let me hit you with this real quick, because that whole, like, sassy Alfred thing yes. is a much better Ozymandias, because they were the same character. Were they, though? Plot, plot, plot twist? Yes. Plot twist. Alfred <laughs> is Ozymandias. I'd buy it. That's how Doomsday Clock should have ended, was that Alfred was Ozymandias. I don't, I don't loved it, but no, like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I like, I, I like a, a snarky Alfred. Snarky Alfred is something that I really enjoyed because it was like, it was that like therapy you need while watching this movie, as like Bruce is on his vendetta streak, and Alfred's not having no no part of it. He's like, you're gonna destroy the Rock, right? Like, we kind of need Superman. And he's like, no, if there's even a one percent chance. Like, and Alfred's like, okay. Sure, whatever. <laughs> Alfred just drinking while all this crap is going down. I love it so much. I- I'm sorry, Travis. I can't get behind that. You just quoted basically the things he said about Lady True before he killed her. Just saying. <laughs> there it is. God damn it. God damn it. There it is. I hate you. I hate you. You're just mad about the egg. No, it's not the egg. That's a whole other issue. <laughs> I gotta. I, we might have to do like a bonus episode for Blur Grounds talking about Watchmen because I already have one of the first four episodes of season two mapped out. But we'll get to that. Um, that's a whole different show. So these are our thoughts on Batman v Superman. Um, at the, at the end of the day, obviously we we said at the beginning of the movie we enjoyed what occurred we have our flaws with it we joked we had some good fun here uh i love snarky alfred even though travis doesn't um but we 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 accept where we are 
The future is very confusing, but we are hopeful. Look out for our reviews. Of, like we will do, we will devote full episodes talking about Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman eighty four when they come out because we will keep doing updates about this. So look forward to that and look out for the new year. Twenty twenty is going to be this new like like rise for panel to panel of us having full episodes devoted to different things. I think. I'm gonna torture these 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 people halfway through the year with a Smallville retrospective. Um, we I, we have some different ideas coming for different things, so definitely look forward to that. Um, I, I honestly am really glad that we resurrected this show because I miss doing it, and I picked two of my favorite people that are a part of this website and like two of my closest friends to do this show with, and I'm really happy that we're we're bringing it back after me and a couple guys started this thing and started the entire website. So. I'm excited for what the spring has planned for us. Um, have y'all enjoyed doing this? Do y'all want to get, like, speak some on it? Yeah, no, I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. All right. Fucking A. I've had, a, I've had a great time doing this, honestly. It's been the yeah. shit, and I get to make you guys read Irredeemable and uh, <laughs> Luther Strode Anthology. That's going to be exciting. Okay. Mary, your thoughts? My thoughts about what? I have what a lot of them? thoughts about things. But... <laughs> Like, just the show and how far we've come in the past 27 episodes. I think we've come a long way. I think, you know, we've, we have a great balance. I think we have cool topics. I'm excited to see, you know, what we do from here. And I'm going to find something truly ridiculous to make you both read. Oh, my gosh. I- I'm scared. Knowing you, I'm scared. Okay. <laughs> All right. The, the, the graphic novelization oh of the movie Cats. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm, I'm the theater kids, that won't hurt as bad. But oh no, the the CGI is so bad. Just they had to re-release the movie because of how bad the CGI was. Oh, that that tells you how bad the thing situation is. Okay, we will catch you folks next year in 2020. It start, start starting fresh off in January. Don't forget you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all that good stuff. Only thing we don't support is SoundClouds, but we are on everything else. Don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast. Follow the website on Twitter and Instagram at OnComicsGround. And check out the website OnComicsGround.com. Hyphens between those words. All of our good stuff like reviews, solicitations, previews, all that stuff is there for you. Good. <sighs> I, I love doing the show. And hopefully, <laughs> we, hopefully we can grow and be the best thing we could possibly be. So, thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys in the new year. Peace out.